Okay, so we'd like to welcome you back to part two of our current event and weekly Bible study for December 20th, 2015. And again, just to reiterate some other things that I've probably covered in times past, but just has a lot to do with this study. The origin of Christmas. And this is from the great, late, great Pastor David J. Meyer of the Last Trumpets Ministry. He died in 2010. This is actually his track. Um, on this and it really bolsters what we're talking about today what is the meaning of christmas where did the customs and traditions originate you as a christian should want to worship the lord in spirit and in truth discerning good from evil the truth is all the customs of christmas predate the birth of jesus christ they predate jesus christ and a study of this would reveal that Christmas in our day is a collection of traditions and practices taken from, from pagan cultures and nations around the world. The date of December 25th comes from Rome and was a celebration of the Italic god Saturn, the rebirth of the sun god. This is why they call it Saturnalia. Okay. Rebirth of the sun god Tammuz. This was done long before the birth of Jesus. It was noted by pre-Christian Romans and other pagans that daylight began to increase after December 22nd, when they assumed that the sun god died. Okay, these ancient um, these ancients believed that the sun god rose from the dead three days later, as a newborn and the venerable sun. Sound familiar? Let me read that again. The pagans believed that as daylight started to increase, to increase after the winter solstice, December 22nd, they assumed that the sun god had died. These ancients believed that the sun god rose from the dead three days later as the newborn and venerable sun god. Well, didn't Jesus Christ die and three days rose again? December 22nd, Three days later is December 25th. The birth, the rebirth of the sun god. December 25th. Whoa. That's the first time I ever got my head wrapped around that. I didn't really realize that. That they believed he died on December 22nd and rose the third day. Oh my. I mean, what a, wow. What a pagan knockoff. So, the Catholic Church says, well, we're celebrating the birth of the Son of God. But it's actually the birth of the Son God. Thus, they figured that to be the reason for the increasing daylight. This was cause for much wild excitement and celebration. Gift-giving and merriment filled the temples of ancient Rome. Three days later, when, when do you give your gifts? On Christmas. Unless you're bad and you open them early. You know. So, this is why they were so excited. Isn't everybody excited around Christmas? Celebration? Revelry? Gift giving and merriment? Filled the temples of ancient Rome. A sacred priest of Saturn called Dendrophori, Dendrophori, they carried wreaths of evergreen boughs in procession. Evergreen, the tree, that, the phallic symbol, the, the, the belief of the reincarnation of the birth of, from Nimrod to Tammuz. They carried wreaths. Do you know what the wreaths are actually symbolic of? Put it this way. Um, and we're going to be talking about some adult things here, kind of mature type of adult. I mean, not, I'm going to keep it clean, but so just see if you want to pause the thing. When you see a wreath on a door during Xmas time, and I, I, I tried to tell the, my pastor at the one church I went to, he didn't want to hear it. He didn't want to hear anything about Christmas. He knew it was pagan. And this was at an independent, fundamental, King James only, unregistered, unincorporated Baptist church. You would think they'd be kind of like the cream of the crop. They still held to this stuff. 
And I'll be honest, a lot of it, a lot of it was their wives from what I saw. I'm not here to demonize women. I'm saying from, but from what I saw, it was a lot of pressure from their wives. Oh no, there's certain things you, you touch and you don't touch. And that's one of them. You don't touch that. You leave Christmas alone. And I'm like, I tried to ask this pastor one time something about the Christmas tree and, and the, the, the verse, um, um, the verses in the Bible that talk about cutting a tree out of the forest and decking it with gold and silver. And I had one guy in the church, he told me, he says, whatever you do, don't ever ask pastor about that. He's like, man, don't, don't. And I did the same day I think he told me. And I looked over and the guy was like, no, no. He was like waving at me like, don't do it, don't. And I did anyway. <laughs> I couldn't help it. I'm like, give me a break. Oh, we had wreaths hanging up in the church. Do you know what the wreaths are? Some the, the wreath. Think about it. It's a like a circle, right? Evergreen. Okay, we know if it's evergreen, and and according to this, the evergreen tree or the Christmas tree. Okay, symbolic of the phallic symbol, symbolic of fertility. The reincarnation of Nimrod into Tammuz. But the wreath itself is a fertility symbol. It is symbolic of the female reproductive organ. Put it that way. That's what the wreath means. When you put a candle, not only is it evergreen, then you have the phallic connotation. But when you put candles on it, the candles are also, that would be symbolic of phallic symbols. So then you have the union of male and female on the wreath. We had them hanging up in the church. I'm like, this is no good. What I would typically happen to me increasingly as I started to ask these types of questions, and I wasn't anywhere near of a knowledge base as I was then as I am now. I was just learning a lot of stuff. I'd just come out of charismania, this and that. But I was learning some stuff, and I'm like, and I would get veiled rebukes from the pulpit without actually him addressing me by name. He was dressing me down from the pulpit without using my name, though. But everybody kind of knew what he was talking about, and that started to happen increasingly. And they, churches like this always find ways to get you out of there. You know, they have, and guess what? It wasn't that long that I was out of there. Now, I'm not saying it was for that reason in particular, but the last church I was ever at, guess what? <laughs> this is hilarious. Taylor was there. She saw it. <laughs> Probably terrified. Taylor was pretty, probably, yeah, were you, were you like, that day, were you, uh, how did you feel? <laughs> probably not too great. I had just done a, a, a teaching, I was teaching adult Sunday school, Baptist church, independent fundamental Baptist church in North Fort Myers, Florida, taught my, my, uh, morning Sunday school teaching, I did it on Christmas. I'm like, yeah, I totally exposed it. Well, they get... And again, remember what I said about they'll find ways to get you out without the pastor actually having to do it. Because they're real subtle, a lot of these pastors, and the way they m operate, manipulate. And... Well, they got the most unstable guy in the whole church. And I mean unstable on a lot of different levels. Him and his wife were both heavily medicated on all kinds of psychotropic meds. They were literally my patients. I had burned more time trying to help these people from a mental standpoint. They... I think they'd both been committed to mental facilities. I know the wife had been um, on more than one occasion. Highly unstable baby, beyond baby Christians. And they have this guy get up there who was the, leading the choir, which was even better because he shouldn't have been any kind of leadership role. And he, the first time ever he ever did a sermon, and it was specifically on rebuking me for how dare I say anything against Christmas. Literally that night, they changed everything in the format because obviously they would have probably never let me preach what I said had they known what I was going to say, but I did it anyway. So literally they, they cobbled together something by that night so he could put it all on this one guy named John who actually went up there and started rebuking me from the pulpit. And I got up and I let him have it. I laid into him. I didn't cuss, I didn't do anything, but I biblically dressed him down and pointing at him and then Taylor and I walked out of there and never came back. That was the end of my 
501c3 church experience. Because that was actually 501c3 church. The guy said he was going to not do it, but he never did. He had to have a way to get me out of there, and that was the final straw. So anyway, I, I've, I've, I say all that to say this. I've kind of been through a lot with this issue. <laughs> I mean, it was literally the thing that kind of jump-started this whole ministry, because at that point, then I started, not too long after that, I started having just Sunday, not as a pastor, but we just started meeting. Some of the people that had, actually nobody came out on that one. They all stayed in the church. No, there was a couple but we started meeting, and um, that's what actually started this ministry. And then I started recording stuff. Um, so anyway, sorry, I'm, that was one of my stories. But going back to this report, um, anyway, so we got into the evergreen, the evergreen wreaths that they were that they were carrying these these uh, priests of Saturn. <laughs> In Germany, the evergreen tree was used as worship and celebration of the Yule God, or the Stag God. We're going to talk about that more later. Also in observance with the resurrected Sun God. The evergreen tree, I mean, all of these symbols are totally, how could anybody argue this stuff? This is so in your face. The, the evidence is so overwhelming. You, then you have all of the pagans that come out. Ask a pagan that knows about this. All they're going to say is that you've hijacked our holiday. You know? All this stuff you're doing, <laughs> you've just hijacked our, our pagan calendar. <laughs> anyway, um, the evergreen tree was a symbol of the essence of life and was regarded as a phallic symbol in fertility worship. Now, caution, a little bit of adult content here, but I'll keep it as clean as I can. Witches and other pagans regarded the red holly like deck the halls with balls of holly, that song that I was just singing, the pagans regarded the red holly as a symbol of the menstrual blood of the queen of heaven, Diana. Oh, that's nice. That's nice. And without saying too much, menstrual blood is considered in a lot of very, very high-level Illuminati rituals, highly sought after, and very desirable and you know these non-human entities that i've been talking about more and more lately with the ufo studies i've been doing in the giants and the, in the subject of reptilians and stuff like that that is a very 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 highly sought after commodity among those beings that's all i'll say i mean this is some really sick stuff we're talking about here. Then we have the Hollywood. Like, Hollywood? Yeah. Well, that was used by witches to make wands. Talks a lot about holly and red holly and stuff like that. Yeah. This is why Hollywood is casting a spell on all of humanity through the product they're producing. Hollywood. It's the preferred source of wood for a witch's wand. The white berries of the mistletoe were be believed by pagans to represent droplets of male semen of the sun god. This is where all these traditions actually lie. Some of them. We're, we're only covering a little bit. Because I already covered this subject so many times. But some of this is um, new stuff. Both holly and mistletoe were hung in doorways of temples and homes to invoke powers of fertility. In those who stood beneath and kissed, causing the spirits of the god and the goddess to enter them. So, when you participate in these types of rituals, you think, oh, it's so innocent, it just kissed somebody under the mistletoe. You're literally giving devils a right to go into you. Well, no, I'm not. I didn't see any devil. I didn't see him come into me, and I didn't feel anything. You won't. You won't feel anything. You won't see anything. They're in another dimension, essentially. They're in another plane of existence that is parallel to ours, but it doesn't mean you can see them. There are times that, that people can, but most of the time, you're not going to be able to. It's like they're in cloaked status. 
So, yeah, you see how this time of year is so cherished by Satan and why it's so guarded and why you're attacked so bad over this? Because he's got a lot to lose. He's deceived and got a lot of people demon-infested from this time of year alone. And a lot of them would identify themselves as being Christians. That's pretty heavy-duty stuff. Causing the spirits of God, of the God and goddess to enter them? It's some devil. Some low-level minion devil associated with that. But it's not good. These customs transcended the borders of Rome and Germany to the far reaches of the known world. The question now arises... How did all these customs find their way into the contemporary Christianity, ranging from Catholicism to Protestantism to the fundamental churches? The word Christmas itself reveals who married paganism to Christianity. The word Christmas is a combination of the words Christ and Mass. The word Mass means death and was coined originally by the Roman Catholic Church and belongs exclusively to the Church of Rome. The ritual of the Mass involves the death of Christ with the distribution of the Catholic communion host, which is a word, the host, is a word taken from Latin meaning hostile, meaning victim. So the Catholic communion host means victim. Host means victim. Catholic priests believe they have been given the power through the process of transubstantiation when they became a Catholic priest to literally, and this is all pagan, this is all even, this is all lies, but to literally change the Catholic wine into the literal blood of Jesus Christ and the Catholic communion host or victim into the literal body of Jesus Christ. Resacrificed over and over and over to pay for all of the Catholic sins because they got to go to confessional, they got to keep the seven sacraments, they got to do this, they got to do that, they got to get prayed out of purgatory, they got to do all this stuff because the blood of Christ was never sufficient enough to cover their sins, to pay for their sins. His death, burial, and resurrection, his finished work on the cross, the blood of Jesus Christ was never sufficient for that. Therefore, they have to re continually re-sacrifice Jesus Christ in the Catholic Communion Mass, or the, by taking the, the uh, well, the Catholic Communion host in particular, once a week or twice a week or whatever, to continually repay for their sins. That's just one of the things, though, that pays for your sins in the Catholic pagan death cult system keeping the seven sacraments and doing all the other stuff and all the other rigmarole. And even in the end, it's not enough. It doesn't, it's not going to keep you out of purgatory. You're still going to have to get prayed out of there and do your time in purgatory, you know, even though none of that's in the Bible. In short, Christmas is strictly a Catholic word. A simple study of the tactics of the Romish church reveals that in every case the church absorbed the customs, traditions, and general paganisms of the tribe's they were essentially conquering. Or assimilating, I guess is a better word. This is their tactic. They just absorb the customs, traditions, and general paganism of these various and sundry tribes they were assimilating. Like the Borg on Star Trek. Why? They wanted to do this in their efforts to increase the number of people under their control. It's all about power and control. And all the money they're going to get. In short, the Romish church told all of these pagan cultures, quote, bring your gods, goddesses, rituals, and rites, and we will assign Christian-sounding titles and names to them. This is how we got Christmas and Ishtar and whatever other pagan traditions and customs and holidays they have assimilated and amalgamated into their own devil belief system. When Martin Luther started the Reformation on October 31st, 1517, and other reformers followed his lead, all of them took with them the paganism that was so firmly embedded in Rome. It's all they'd ever known, probably. Now, to say all of them, I don't know. I'm not going to sit here and say all of them, but I would say the vast majority, these reformers left Christmas intact. 
in England, that's why I'd never call myself a Protestant, ever. Why? Well, because they came out of the Catholic Church, they were protesting. No. No, 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 no. no I'm just a born-again Bible-believing Christian. I don't want to have anything to do with Protestantism or Catholicism or whatever. I mean, this is why they call her, you know, the mother church. She, she's bringing back all of her other little corrupted wayward chicks back under the fold ultimately going into a one world religion under antichrist this is why there's such a push to go back to rome by a lot of these churches so in england as the authorized bible became available to the common people by the decree of king james ii in 1611 1611 kjv now what we have today is not a 1611 it's a 1769 either cambridge or oxford edition revision of the king james bible of 1611 okay if you had a, a 1611 king james bible today most of you including myself could not read the thing properly because it's old english so they revised and updated the words to match okay so just so you know that um people began to discover when this happened Okay, in 1611, when they released the King James Bible, people began to discover the pagan roots of Christmas, which are clearly reveal, revealed in Scripture. That's another unbelievable fruit of the King James Bible. And we're going to take a look at a verse in a, in a minute here. The Puritans in England and later in the Massachusetts colony outlawed this holiday as witchcraft. It is witchcraft. Near the end of the 19th century, when other Bible versions began to appear, there was a revival of the Christmas, of the celebration of Christmas. Look at the fruit of those versions. It was a revival of the celebration of the pagan holiday Christmas and Ishtar and these other things. Because of these other wonderful, and guess where they came from? The Catholic Church. They were all translated virtually from the corrupted Catholic manuscripts called the Sinaiticus because they found it in the in a trash can at the base of Mount Sinai in a really weird, creepy Catholic monastery. It was literally in the in the trash can where they found it. The guy that got it. Oh, this must be good. It's in a trash can. I'll use it to translate the Bible. That's what happened. That's why they called the Sinaiticus. It was at the base of Mount Sinai. In a Catholic monastery, I've seen pictures of that Catholic monastery. There's like skulls stacked to the ceiling and skeletons chained to the walls. I mean, you talk about evil, this place. And the other one was the Vaticanus. And the only reason that they were in such good shape, the Vaticanus, and it was the oldest, is because it was so corrupted, they were like, no, we're just, we're not even going to touch this thing. Even the corrupt Catholics didn't touch it. They let it sit there, and that was fine. So they combined the two, the Vaticanus and the Sinaiticus, to get us to give give us in 1881 the revised version, translated by two occultists, Westcott and Hort, who were basically just doing the bidding of the Catholic Church, and they were into all kind of fun stuff like witchcraft and necromancy and all kind of fun. They were buddies with Charles Darwin, you know, yeah. So this is where we get the spawn. The revised version went on to spawn all of our new versions essentially that we have now just about all of them and there's like now there's like over a hundred and hey they can copyright those so they can make more money the king james outside of anywhere outside of england is not copywritten but those they've got copyrights on them and every time they release another bible they can make more money it's another reason they do it and they're corrupted they're leavened, which is a type of sin. It's, it's, it's like it only takes a little bit of, of yeast to raise a whole ball of dough, essentially, to make bread. It doesn't take a lot of little. The Bible says a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. So if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? The foundations of these new versions were corrupt and evil and vile. And they, they're two totally separate lines of Bibles as well. The KJV coming through the majority text, the Byzantine text, the received text, that is an uncorrupted line of Bible. Okay? The other one comes through Egypt, the Catholic Church, 
the Vaticanus, the Sinaiticus, translated by two high-level occultists. And then you've got the people like on the NIV revision, the NIV committee that made the NIV, you know, like Virginia Mullencott, who was a rabid, high-level lesbian, probably witch. There's a lot of really evil people that had, that had a lot to do with translating these newer versions as well. So by their fruits you shall know them. Um, going further... When the, other, when the other Bible versions began to appear, there was a revival of the celebration of Christmas. Always try to look at the fruit of something. And let's go back to the very start of it. You know, well, we're, we're seeing that here. We are now seeing an ever-increasing celebration of Christmas or Yule, its true name, uh, Yule, its true name, as we draw closer to the end times of Christ. So what they're saying is the Catholic Church took the celebration at the Yule time and they reamalgamated into Christmas. But I, I really think it's it's more than that because of what was said earlier about they needed that three days after Yule. They needed that in order to say that their son God had died, but now he's re-resurrected three days later on December 25th, the rebirth of the sun God. Whether you want to call him Sol Invictus or Tammuz or Apollo or whatever, some solar deity worshipped by different names in different times. All the same devil, essentially. Same fallen angel, because mostly like that's what we're dealing with here. In both witchcraft circles and contemporary Christian churches, the same things are going on, though. Meaning an increasing celebration of Christmas or Yule. As the Bible clearly states in Jeremiah 10, 2-4, Thus saith the Lord, learn not the way of the heathen. Okay, this is one of those verses where it says the Bible clearly in, this, in the King James Bible shows you that there's problems, you know, with, uh, with Christmas. Thus saith the Lord, Learn not the way of the heathen. Okay, this verse is applicable to us now as it was when it was written. Remember how they were saying these all of these customs of Christmas predate the birth of Jesus Christ by hundreds if not thousands of years? Okay. Here's, here's a verse that way predates Jesus Christ. Thus saith the Lord, learn not the way of the heathen, and be not dismayed at the signs of heaven. For the heathen are dismayed at them. Meaning they're all worried about what the stars are saying, and like, okay, did he accept our human sacrifices, and this and that, and they're trying to run around with their chickens, like a chicken with his head cut off, trying to appease Satan. For the customs of the people are vain. For one cutteth a tree out of the forest, the work of the hands of the workmen with the axe, they deck it with silver and with gold. Deck the halls with balls of holly. You deck the tree with silver and gold. They fasten it with nails and with hammers that it move not. Well, when you have a, a Christmas tree, it just it's in one spot. You know. It's a Christmas tree. And they're describing this in Jeremiah 10, 2 through 4. Predates Christ. This pagan holiday never had anything to do with the birth of Jesus Christ. So, what is wrong with Christmas? Okay, there's a few reasons. To say that Jesus was born on December 25th is a lie. The true date is sometime, most likely in September, according to scriptures. Two, trees, wreaths, holly, mistletoe, and the like are strictly forbidden as pagan and heathen. To say that these are Christian or that they can be made Christian is a lie. Three, the Lord never spoke of commemorating his birth, but rather commanded us to remember the sacrifice of his suffering and death with per, uh, which purchased our salvation. And that's an everyday thing. You know? So think about it. Can we worship and honor God by involving ourselves with customs and traditions which God himself forbade as idolatry? Can we convince God to somehow Christianize these customs and the whole pretense of and lie of Christmas so that we can enjoy ourselves? Can we obey through disobedience? So what is right about Christmas then? Nothing. Not from a Christian perspective. So that was that tract uh, through, uh, from David Meyer. Okay, so continuing on, and this is the last uh, part of this. Um, this is entitled, Cernunos, Feasting on December's Darkness. Every December 22nd, December 21st, that vicinity, the world is invited to celebrate the name of Cernunos, 
the mythical horn god adorned with powerful ringed antlers and said to preside over dimensional doorways. This is where we have Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and how they always, Santa has reindeer pulling his sled, okay? This is one of the ways they've amalgamated that in. Um, he's said to preside over dimensional doorways in a mixture of religious rituals and practices honoring both his birth date and the winter solstice. During the pagan celebrations of the winter solstice, the gods who serve their fallen master Satan receive honor and worship according to their assigned rank and function. These are the principalities and powers and rulers of darkness of this world and the spiritual wickedness in high places the Bible speaks of in Ephesians 6.12. As, Sue Brad, as the late Sue Bradley put forward in the 2008 essay, The Green Man, the shape-shifting demon god, Cernunos, also called the master of the sacrificial hunt, or the guardian of the gateway of the underworld, and the keeper of the gates of death, I mean, a fun guy, um, commands sacrificial purification as ruler of all nature and elemental witchcraft. And this is why you'll see human sacrifice associated with this time of year. To those with ears to hear and eyes to see, these dark spiritual demands are noticeably increasing in urgency and destructive impact since her essay was first published in 2008. Okay, so what does he mean by that? Well, these dark spiritual demands, sacrificial purification. See, all of these, all of these, um, pagan holidays holy days which is what where we get the word holiday from they all required sacrifices of some type sometimes it was food offerings at bare minimum but a lot of times it was animal or human in order to ensure a successful harvest or in order to ensure fertility or whatever other thing you were trying to get but he's saying since her this essay was published by the Sue Bradley in 2008. These dark spiritual demands are noticeably increasing in urgency and destructive impact. Well, again, you look around and you see wickedness increasing is essentially what we're talking about here. You see CERN, dark spiritual dimensional doorways trying to be opened to let demon, more demons and devils into our plane of existence. Violence increasing. As the Bible, the Bible verse in Ezekiel talked about, byproduct of, you know, the church going to sleep and literally participating in pagan practices inside the church, violence will increase in the world. I, I never tie those two together, but that's, it's a very interesting thing if you think about it. I mean, it's not good, but it's, it is what's happening. The church has ceased to be salt and light. So as a result of that, that what should have been a restraining type of force in the world for good, the true church of Jesus Christ, let's just say, you know, those born-again Bible-believing Christians, not saying they don't exist, I'm just saying that, that they're at a smaller and smaller number. And I think a lot of the people that even are in that classification are bound up in these 501c3 corporate churches that are participating in all of these pagan rituals and they're get they're having their their prayers hindered and they're being deceived and deluded and they're, and they're having well that bible verse the, the, the bible verse that comes to mind is while they promise them liberty they themselves are the servants of corruption for of whom a man is overcome, the same is brought into bondage. So these preachers that are out there promising their congregations liberty, they actually are servants of corruption. And of whom a man is overcome, the same he is brought into bondage. So they're literally being brought into bondage. They're, being, they're in chains, but they don't see their bondage. And I'm not saying they're all unsaved, but I'm saying that a lot of them are actually in bondage. And their, their prayers are hindered, and they probably aren't even praying about these types of issues because they're participating in them. Maybe to a certain extent. Maybe a lot of them are like, well, I really don't want to stay here, but if I don't leave here, then, you know, maybe I can change it from the inside. That type of thing. I've heard that before, and I get that. I get it. But 
that's most likely not going to happen. What's most likely is going to happen is you're going to get corrupted. I know that when I went to churches like this, after I came out, a lot of times I would look back and say, what was I thinking staying there? What was I thinking? It's so obvious and clear to me now. But yet at the time, it wasn't clear. I didn't know. Why? Because I was being brought into bondage. For of whom a man is overcome, the same he is brought into bondage. Well, you go in there, you sit, you sit under a preacher one to three days a week, you're probably going to get overcome eventually, and you're not going to see the process happening because it's very subtle. And Satan is the most subtle beast of the field, so that's how he operates a lot of the times. So, going further, it says, Sue continues, bestowing the plenty upon the good stewards of earth. Sir Nunos is also known as the all-devourer. The all-devourer. <laughs> what a title and responsible for the judgment of those who threaten his domain. That's why I think you get so much pushback at this time of year regarding Xmas, even by other, quote, Christians. He, Sir Nunos is responsible for the judgment of those who threaten his domain. What I'm doing right now is threatening his domain, his turf, what he says is his turf. Sir Nunos led the wild hunt and as the primary fertility deity often was graphically depicted as the primeval male progenitor and rejuvenator or also known as the lusty satyr god. Limitless and everlasting, the life force of Sir Nunos courses through the subatomic constituting the chaotic dance of life and death. The dance of the creation and destruction. Isn't that what we're seeing with Shiva and CERN? The dance of destruction, that weird cryptic video they released about CERN where all those people are around dancing. This dance of destruction regarding Shiva, the destroyer of worlds. That's what Shiva is. The highest Hindu deity. And it's totally associated with CERN. A lot of this links in with CERN. Who knows what they're going to try to do with CERN in the next four or five days. I want to get this study up so people will be praying about this as well. I mean, the human sacrifices alone getting ready to happen. Many who follow the pattern of ancient myth have determined that the Lord of the Hunt is most likely the source for the horned god that appears in Christian medieval manuscripts and is a symbol of the Antichrist himself. It has been noted that the deity of Cernunos is con consistently associated with control of elemental matter and as the dark god of the elements in nature. Cernunos is associated with the hunt and has an enormous power and is identified as both keeper of the gates of death and the guardian of the underworld with an apparent appetite for infernal human sacrifice. Again, that's why you have human sacrifice associated with this. The horn god born at the winter solstice legend says marries the goddess of the moon at beltane and dies at the summer solstice okay so this is this is the horn god we're, we're talking about here we're not talking about the sun god we're talking about the horn god this is a different devil essentially but still associated with the same time of year they just have different roles okay um ephesians 5 calls us to not partake in these rituals um and to submit ourselves to the Submit ourselves to, um, to not submit ourselves. I'm sorry, what's what they should have said? Um, sorry, that was something I was just correcting. To not submit ourselves to these false gods or fear their rule, but to be imitators of God and children of light. So the verses they give, uh, Ephesians 5, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ hath loved us, and hath given himself for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as become a saint's. Neither filthiness, nor foolish, foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. 
For this ye know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man, who is an idolater, have any inheritance in the kingdom of God, Christ or God. Pretty scary stuff there. Um, let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be ye therefore not partakers with them. For ye were sometimes in darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. And this is what we're attempting to do with this study. To not have fellowship with this, these unfruitful works of darkness, and there's many surrounding this time of year, but to rather reprove them. And again, if you look at reprove, and I have the definition literally in the heading of every um, uh, PDF I put out. Reprove, to blame, to convince a fault, or to make it manifest. To excite a sense of guilt. Okay, and then we're going to talk about the word circumspectly in a minute. The word circumspectly in the Bible means to walk cautiously, with watchfulness every way, with attention to guard against surprise or danger. So those are both terms that are used in this, um, this study that we're looking at here. Okay, let me get back to where we're at. Okay, so, um, but all things that are approved... Okay, I kind of skipped ahead here. Um, sorry, I was trying to get back to where I was at. For it is a shame to even speak of those things which are done of them in secret. Okay, but again, it says to reprove them. Okay, so what this is saying is that you don't want to get into the gory details of the things that are done in darkness, like things that would be inappropriate to recreate. Like, I'm not going to go into all the sexual, you know, stuff, gory details. Okay, but you can still reprove them without going there, what I just mentioned. Okay, um, but all things that are approved are made manifest by the light. Why? Because light banishes darkness. Darkness cannot live in the presence of light. For whatsoever make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. Christ is the one who gives us the light to walk circumspectly, to reprove the unfruitful works of darkness. It comes from the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the author of all true truth. Okay? Um, going further, Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Man, that's really the case nowadays. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, like, you know, ignorance is bliss, that type of stuff. Be ye not unwise. Because, see, if you're unwise, and you have no love for the truth, that's not a good thing. It's really not a good thing. Especially if you look at Second Thessalonians chapter 2. I mean, the people that have no love for the truth ended up going to hell. But understanding what the will of the Lord is, and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, capital S, the Holy Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, always giving thanks, having that, I've heard it said, attitude of gratitude. I don't really like to use a lot of those <laughs> things, but it's true. It's an attitude of gratitude. It's being thankful continually. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. And then they end by saying this would be a wonderful focus for the coming week. I, I think this just came out um, regarding this time of year that we're going into. Now, what I did is I, I am putting almost all of the teachings I've done on this subject at the end of this PDF, so you'll have them all in one spot, and um, you'll and I even put the the table of contents in there, so you'll you'll know what you're actually going to be listening to. First one, which is the one my my oldest one, it's the one I did on Christmas where I went through all of the 
in probably in much more depth on a lot of the different things like all of the different customs and traditions and things of this nature regarding christmas this was clear back in 06 um december 3rd of 06 is christmas biblical um i give a quote by charles spurgeon about it that, that no they they didn't you know celebrate it and it, so this is going back this quote from charles spurgeon was in 1871 okay and he says, we have no superstitious regard for the times and seasons. Certainly, we do not believe in the present ecclesiastical arrangement called Christmas. Firstly, because we do not believe in any mass at all, meaning the Catholic mass, but abhor it, whether it be sung in Latin or in English. Secondly, because we find no scriptural warrant whatsoever for observing any day as the birthday of the Savior. You know, this is an honest pastor here we're dealing with. And consequently, its observance is a superstition. It was not until the middle of the 3rd century that any part of the church celebrated the birth of the Lord. Probably the fact is that the holy, day, the holy days were arranged to fit in with heathen festivals. So he was, he was catching on. I'm sure he didn't act, have access to the database I do now. But he, he knew back then what was going on, obviously. We ventured to assert, I mean, didn't have the internet and that type of stuff. We ventured to assert that there if there be any day of the year in which we may be pretty sure that it was not on the day which the Savior was born, it was December 25th. Regarding not the day, let us give, give God thanks for the gift of his dear son. And then I put in the word but. How absurd to think we could do it in the spirit of the world with a Jack Frost clown, a deceptive worldly fiction, or a deceptive worldly Santa Claus, and a mixed program of sacred truth with fun, deception, and fiction. The Catholics and the High Church Episcopalians may have their Christmas one day in three, 365, but we have Christ. The, we have a Christ gift the entire year. They spoke differently back then a little bit, so it's, sometimes it's harder to read it. Um, December 25th, also known as the Nativity of the Sun, or the birthday of Tammuz, the sun god, is what we'll be talking about. So anyway, I give you that. There's another teaching I did um, where we got into the exclusively the subject on was Jesus born on December 25th? And then another one, an end-time current event, witchcraft warning, uh, winter solstice eclipse overlap, uh, first in 456 years, and then specific dates within the occult calendar, uh, winter solstice and Xmas, and then another one, I another study I did, and I'm giving you all the links here in the PDF, Pagan Origins of Christmas, and then <clears throat> a movie trailer that we, we looked at called Satan or... Santa Unmasked movie trailer. And in there, it gets into this, this uh, set, Satan's helper, Santa's helper, um, in cohort, Krampus. And now I've seen that they've got a movie out where they bring Krampus into a modern day, it's kind of like a modern day horror slash comedy movie, I think. I, I watched the trailer for it and I'm like, Oh my word. So they're literally bringing back Krampus, which is actually one of the the truer pagan traditions that um, were amalgamated into Christmas in the old world, in like Europe and those places. So we get into that a little bit, but I, I actually see now they've got a whole movie on it. And I'm just looking at other things that are in here. Uh, better yet, what better way to kickstart their their demon possession than by giving the kitties a Ouija board on the must-have gift for Christmas. They were promoting that heavily last year, and they probably still are. It's one of the best ways you can get demon possessed to the toenails. Get a Ouija board and start using it. You know, it's 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 total insanity that they can even sell that thing in as a as a toy. Um, and then I did another teaching called Exposing Christ Mass, Catholicism, the Pope, the Catholic Mary, the Queen of Heaven, and the Coming One Word Religion. Give you the link to that. And then the whole whole study on the true meaning of the word Christmas. Um, and then another one on the occult occult calendar. So those will if if you if you're hearing this for the first time, you've never heard this information before, these will give you a very, very good idea of what's actually going on here in totality. Each one of these teachings has its own pdf so i i really believe that you would have more than enough ammo to approach any person any family member any the problem you're going to run into is literally getting them to listen to any of this or actually look at the facts 
because most people are absolutely do not care about the facts when it comes to this time of year more than any other year uh, in whether they're Christian or non-Christian usually these this type of year people become the most unreachable regarding exposing this holiday or pagan holy day than any other time there's no other holiday that I can see that would even approach it or touch it so this is all we have for for today here um, and I will go ahead and close this out in a word of prayer Heavenly Father we do thank you for this day this time you've given us um, Lord I, I just pray that regarding this these upcoming this upcoming time that we're moving into God that you would intervene God in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you would spare these human and animal sacrifices Lord God that are scheduled um, to be killed um, whether it be on Yule, whether it be Christmas Eve, Lord, or Christmas, I just pray to God for your divine intervention in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you would send your holy angels to all of these, these places across the world, Lord, whether it be you know, in the world, um, underground, or whether it be above, wherever they are, Lord, I just pray to God in the name of Jesus Christ, you would intervene, that you would rescue them, that you would save them, um, that you would also spare the animals, Lord, and that Satan would not be able to accomplish his goals and plans for this time of year that their very own tongues lord god would fall upon themselves god all of these occultists and these entities i do pray god that you would intervene and um i pray god those that can be saved in this occult movement that you would save their souls lord for it your will that not one would perish but that all would come to repentance but those that cannot lord god i pray to god you deal with that they could not continue to do this that they cannot continue to practice witchcraft, that you would strip them of all their powers that they would have in every way, shape, and form, and that your name, Lord God, would be glorified through this and that many would be saved as a result of what you would do in this upcoming time period. I pray, God, that you'd forgive us for any and all sins we have committed in any way, shape, or form as we forgive those who have sinned against us and that the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart would be acceptable and pleasing in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer, and that you cleanse us from presumptuous sins and secret faults that they would not have dominion over us. And we ask all this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.